What's up, fandom? My name is Josh, and today we've got some very special guests with us. Joining us once again, we've got Comforted Adam. Oh, hello. And joining us for the first time, we have Greg Weissman. Hi. Uh, Greg, uh, just for maybe some people who may not be familiar with you, where can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, I started out in comic books in the 80s. I was a uh, uh, associate editor at DC Comics. Um, and then I uh, co-wrote uh, the Captain Adam comic book with Carrie Bates for a few years. Uh, then I left DC uh, to move back to Los Angeles, which is where I'm from, um, to go to grad school. But I eventually got a job at Walt Disney Television Animation, where I became director of series development for a bunch of years. And then I developed a show called Gargoyles uh, and moved over to produce that and be a showrunner on that with Frank Parr. And um, since then, I've been on that side of the desk uh, doing comics, but mostly cartoons, uh, shows like the second season of which, the first season of Star Wars Rebels, two seasons of The Spectacular Spider-Man, uh, four seasons of Young Justice, and a lot of other stuff in between, freelance and staff and everything. But I'm mostly a writer-producer. I've also done a little bit of voice acting, a little bit of directing, um, but mostly I write. Um, Saying you're most recent- really busy guy and it's very kind of you to be here today very definitely um and comfort adam again we were talking beforehand and like the two people that i knew that i wanted on this episode with greg were comfort and adam because why would i want comfort and adam on this episode well because we make comics don't we we do it's the primary thing right. we do. So we uh, make comics. We do the uniques. We do Rainbow in the Dark. We did a big how-to book for Random House called The Complete Guide to Self-Publishing Comics. And we both write, both draw, both color, both letter everything. We're the two-headed hydra of comics. That should be, I, I, I need that on all of your stuff now. The two-headed hydra <laughs> just, of comics. Yeah. Just on it's everything. on our Twitter. Well, perfect. I, I need it on, I need it, you know, engraved on like a letterman jacket now so like the two, you know that's mm, what i need mm-hmm, along with like mm-hmm. your faces that's that, that would be phenomenal um but great yeah so we've got you on here and we're going to talk about one of my favorite uh dc animated series uh young justice um so i think one of the first thing that i i really want to kind of go into is what brought about young justice like so how did that like how did that get kicked around over to dc uh, well, I had been working on Spectacular Spider-Man over for Sony and uh, Marvel. Um, and when that was coming to an end, Sam Register uh, contacted me. Sam uh, was and is the head of uh, Warner Brothers Animation. And uh, he teamed me up with uh, Brandon Vietti. And I had met Brandon before. We we didn't know each other real well, but, but uh, we had worked on shows at both Sony and Warner Brothers over the years, but not directly. Um, so Brandon and I sort of instantly made a pretty great team. And um, we were given uh, Phil Barassa, Emmy-winning uh, character designer uh, as well. And Sam wanted us to work on a show. Um, and we went through a few options. And then he pitched us the title, just the title, Young Justice, which was the title came obviously from the 90s, D 
DC Comics uh, by Peter David and Todd Nock. Um, and Brandon and I both uh, immediately and viscerally said no. Um, and the reason for that was that, you know, Warner Brothers had just done two really great shows that I'm fan, a fan of. One is uh, Justice League Unlimited and the other is Teen Titans. And we looked at that and said, what are we going to do with a title called and, and Sam was like, you don't have to adapt the comic books, do whatever you want with it. That's just the title that everybody likes, Young Justice. And we were just like, there's no room. There's no place to put that in between. I mean, they were, those were two very different shows, but we just didn't initially see any space to it. So we said no. And Sam didn't, uh, being a, the boss, wasn't fond of that answer um, and uh, told us, well, go think about it. And it was really Brandon who solved it. Um, he said, well, what if instead of doing a superhero show, what if we did a spy show? Mm. And that was really interesting. And so we decided that the show would be first off a show about teenagers and their relationships. And, um, you know, one of the things about Teen Titans is you have these five uh, teens in Titans Tower. There's no explanation for how they got there. There's no not much sense of who their parents are or were beyond, mm -hmm. you know, Raven's big reveal that Trigon's her dad, you know. Um, and Spoilers for a show that's right. like 20 years <laughs> old. So. Right. Um, and uh, or a comic book that's 40 it's, years yeah. old. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it they just were there. And we're like, no, let's put them in context. And, and particularly with Phil Barras's design style, which is tends toward the more realistic. Um, we're like, okay, let's try and take the show and ground it in reality as much as possible. And we'll make it a show about teenagers first, show about spies second, and a show about superheroes third. And that suddenly appealed to us. And we sort of pitched that back to Sam and he said, see, I knew you guys could do it. And um, <laughs> I'm not sure we were sure yet, but eventually we came up with the show that, uh, that people know and, and at least some of them love. Uh, some of them love to watch it and hate it too. So it's, uh, it's got something for everybody. That's true. Uh, could I uh, ask a question? Do you feel yeah, like yeah. Um, when you settled on the spy show, like, do you think you were tapping into something that, you know, superhero things everywhere were sort of about to tap into, which was to say, instead of just what we think is the general superhero formula and superhero concept, let's do superheroes doing this or that or the other genre. I think, you know, uh, the Marvel movies are oftentimes known as having a movie that is ostensibly about superheroes, but it's by way of something else. And I think it's interesting to hear sort of the genesis of Young Justice as a spy show, because it definitely, definitely was, but I don't know if people would have been back then able to truly articulate that. Well, I mean, we articulated it in the pitch. So, I mean, that was very right. much up front with us. Um, one of the shows that we had developed for Sam before uh, YJ, that didn't go had been mm -hmm. sort of also a spy show with superheroes and it didn't go for various mm -hmm. reasons. I'm not going to get into, but uh, there was something in that concept. So Brandon sort of brought that idea 
um, from our other show into this, and it seemed to work really well. I think, again, our feeling was, is we wanted to carve out some space that was uniquely Mm -hmm. ours. And obviously, Justice League Unlimited, which I'm, again, huge fan of, but that is a superhero show. You know, that is in your face superheroes. And frankly, so was Teen Titans, stylistically incredibly different. But that was a superhero show. There's no sort of, again, there's no like, okay, what's your homework assignment? Or, uh, you know, it's about a bunch of superheroes getting together and doing superhero stuff. And we Mm -hmm. just wanted to be free to do something that, uh, that was different from both those two shows so that people wouldn't just say to us, well, they're just another version of Teen Titans, or it's just a younger version of um, JLU, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so having that space, that freedom, um, and then accompanying that with, again, a sort of drive to, okay, yeah, we're doing a genre show. It's got guys who can lift up a VW bus. It's got a, a girl who can shape shift and read your mind. Yeah. Okay. But otherwise we're going to try and ground in reality. We did all sorts of things to do that. The costume design, you know, one of the things that was a priority for Brandon and for Phil was that Brandon did not want it to look like all the villains and heroes all shot for their costumes at the same store. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, each one was unique and specific to their needs. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted, uh, you know, uh, I came up with this idea to do timestamps. Every time we switched to a new location, yes. we'd, we'd have the location and the time there. This is something that, again, I thought would help really ground us in the moment, allow fans to sort of follow along. It's a decision I've regretted ever since because it involves so much goddamn math. Um, <laughs> as two people who did the same thing, we were like, oh no. As as someone who enjoys that though, it's so it makes it so nice. Like mm-hmm. if I feel just kind of going in something like today, like Rings of Power would have been so much better if they told me where everything was. I have mm-hmm. no idea where any of the things were in that show. Like there was stuff like there was before door things. There was stuff in, and I don't know where I'm at. Like right. that, like I, as a fan, I appreciate those little timestamps. I, I think they're great for the show. I just think they, uh, when I proposed it, I didn't think in terms of, oh, time zones. Oh, I'm going to have to figure out, oh, uh-huh. oh, now we're switching over. Here. Oh, um, now i got to figure out how much time passed between this scene and the next scene. And there was just a lot of math. Mm-hmm. Um, and for an English major, it wasn't my strong suit. And yet, because it was my dumbass idea, I was stuck doing it uh, and have been stuck doing it ever since, uh, right down through you know, the last six issue miniseries, Young Justice Targets, which is just coming, you know, the last mm-hmm. issue is just coming out this month and next month. And so I've been doing these timestamps and inevitably I get one wrong here and there. And, <laughs> and man, did they let me have it. Um, <laughs> anytime I get one wrong and I'm like, yeah, but I got 72 of them right. Yeah, but this one's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes the best thing for, the story, the best way to tell the story isn't the best mm-hmm. thing for your workload. Yes. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. <laughs> um, 
kind of going on like a, what you said, like with the way that you wanted to make it different. How did you guys de- uh, decide what type of characters were going to be in the show? Because um, I mean, like there is like there was the Young Justice comics um, f- from the 90s that we've got. Um, but you guys use a lot of those characters, but then different characters as well. So how did you guys figure out which ones you're going to use, which ones you're not going to use? Was that kind of a, dif- a factor with DC, like saying that, hey, we need you to use like Dick Grayson Robin as opposed to like Tim Drake Robin? No, I mean, uh, so when we started, uh, we started under one DC regime and and, uh, mm. and then uh, just after season one got into production um the regime shifted and um that caused a little bit of a temporary panic mm-hmm. um because we'd been everything we'd done had been approved and then suddenly a new group was coming in and it wound up being fine but god knows that we had like yeah <laughs> a couple of days of oh my god what's terror now yeah um because we were in production at the time um one of the things that we wanted is one of the things that uh, Sam actually said to us early on is that, um, again, we weren't adapting the Young Justice comic book. We were stealing the title, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but we weren't specifically adapting what Peter and Todd had done. Um, and in fact, what I did was put together a list of all the teenage DC superheroes, um, and even some that were kind of on the fence between being heroes and sometimes had been good and sometimes were bad and sometimes were something in between. So I had a list of, I don't know, like 75, 80 teenage uh, superheroes, which included um, four young blonde female archers, because obviously three young blonde female archers weren't enough for DC. They needed to have four. You need a full Um, quiver. Right. Uh, And and we just started narrowing it down. Um, again, we weren't specifically adapting um, Peter's thing, and we weren't specifically adapting Marvin George's Teen Titans because that had been done recently. So to a large extent, we went back to the 60s and 70s Teen Titans. Um, and we felt like, okay, we're creating a new DC universe, and we'd gone to DC, and they'd given us Earth-16. That would be our Earth that would be off limits to everybody else. And as long as we didn't leave Earth, you know, this universe 16, um, no one would mess with us and we wouldn't mess with anyone else. That didn't quite work out either, but uh, it sounded good at the time. Um, (laughs) In theory, uh, that's amazing. That it's like, hey, here's your own universe. Have fun with this. Right. So, and we decided, okay, uh, Superman debuted 10 years prior to this show. So if the show was launching in 2010, then, you know, the idea was that Superman first showed up. I'm not saying he was born in 2000, mm. but, but Superman first debuted right. as a, you know, in costume in the year 2000. And Heroes had been around for about a decade. And so for us, that meant we were at the, we were at the relatively early days, certainly for the, this younger generation. So that meant we were going back to the original Teen Titans, the uh, Dick Grayson Robin. Um, the Wally West Kid Flash, um, and uh, you know the Roy Harper Speedy and uh, Aqualad, but we made a few changes. But one of the goals was to have a good mix of characters. We wanted a diverse group. We wanted uh, 
guys and girls. We wanted um, some characters to have superpowers. We want some characters to only have mad skills. Um, but one of the fundamental things we wanted, because one of the themes of a spy show was good, our spy show was going to be secrets and lies. So we wanted characters who were keeping secrets and we wanted characters who were telling lies. And mm. so what that wound gave us in essence were our original six leads, which were uh, Robin, Dick Grayson, um, Kid Flash, uh, Wally West, uh, Aqualad. And we created a new Aqualad uh, named Calderon. Um, and uh, then Superboy, Connor Kent, Miss Martian, uh, Megan Morse, or McGann Maors, uh, and uh, Artemis, Artemis Croc. And um, then we had sort of other characters we brought in across the first season, um, especially uh, Roy Harper, Speedy, who was eventually, uh, you know, revealed to be a clone. And um, we had Zatanna Zatara, and we had uh, Raquel Irvin, Rocket, come in toward the end, and a few other guest stars, Secret and um, Tempest and Aqua Girl, um, at least showed up across that first season. But we, you know, mostly focused on our core cast, um, and that was a great mix for us. And it it gave us a, a bunch of characters that had things to reveal um, about themselves and. Uh, and the mix wound up being great. And we got a phenomenal voice cast uh, behind it. And uh, it all sort of worked. Absolutely. How much time did you spend um, before, like in the, the design process, building that 10-year timeline leading into the show? Like how specific did you want to get about the history of your world before the story started? Uh, we got, I locked a lot of that down. Um, you know, how long ago, how many years had Robin been a sidekick? How many years had Wally been a sidekick? How many years had uh, Calder been a sidekick? Um, uh, where did McGann really come from? I've got a timeline now. It's the same timeline. It's just, you know, it's grown over the years. I'm just pulling it up on my screen. And it's so long that it's taking time to <laughs> upload. I think, but, um, uh, you know, while we're waiting for it to upload, I think that's one of the fascinating things about Young Justice is a lot of other DC property stuff, uh, especially the comics. But, uh, you know, even sometimes when you're watching shows, like it can disagree with itself oftentimes mm -hmm. because it wasn't actually structured out for how the story was being told and what the history was. And so it can step on itself. It's own toes well i was reminded mm -hmm. of um in in when i first started watching the show it reminded me a lot of when i first started reading comics and how you're stepping into something and it feels like there is just this wealth of history behind it right mm -hmm. you're 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 jumping into a story that's already in progress this is just where you happen to begin being part of that and it's really exciting because you get drawn in and you want to learn more all the time and it's a show where because you spent the time knowing what that history was, you had always intended to reveal more of like, well, here's mm -hmm. where things came from and here's how we got here. Right. And, you know, being the best mystery that the audience can participate mm -hmm. in that mystery and actually have that payoff of that mystery rather than, you know, 
setting up questions. Right. Exactly. That you're like, I don't know what the answer is. It's a mystery box. It also definitely feels like a series that is made like it feels based off of a comic. Whereas like uh, Teen Titans doesn't really feel based off a comic. It's it. That's an animated show. This felt because I, I think because the story was so good that it felt like you were reading a full story. And it's like, oh, I, I can go in and maybe try and find this this series. And and then when you go and you get the, the Young Justice, and you're like, wait a second, this is not, these these yeah. are completely different characters. Yeah, I think there were a lot of people who were surprised to find that it wasn't based on any particular story arcs that had been done before. Yeah, as Sam had sort of said to us, you're basing this show on the entire DC universe. Mm-hmm. We're giving you your own universe, Earth 16, but you... This isn't based on anyone. It's not based on Teen Titans. It's not based on New Titans. It's not based on Young Justice. It's got the Young Justice title, but it is based on the entire DC universe. Um, this timeline is currently 760 pages long. <gasps> we <laughs> obviously it wasn't 760 pages long. No, back when we started, yeah. but um, that's how long it is now. And mm-hmm. um, you know it currently runs from before the big bang to um the era of the you know legion of superheroes mm-hmm. um so it and it's got a lot of information in it <laughs> yeah uh, i'm sure but it's constantly so. growing and the idea was is we wanted the show to feel like this was a, a working universe you know not like <laughs> oh uh oh we'll figure it out when we get there you know we you know characters if a character went away, uh, and this is particularly too be- be- true between seasons for us, you know, because we do time skips in between each season, you know, you may not see a character for two years or five years or something mm-hmm. like that. And when they come back, their situation may have changed considerably yes. um, because people change over all this time. And, you know, we started with, a 13 year old Dick Grayson. And it, by the end of, uh, you know, young justice phantoms and young justice, uh, targets, he's 24. Uh, yeah. and, and that kind of growth and change, you don't see much of certainly Love not cartoons that. or comics, but not, but rarely even in live action television, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, where, you know, somehow on mash it's the Korean war for, 11 years years yeah yeah, yeah, or however long right (laughs) um you know we uh allow our characters to age and grow and change and evolve um and i know there's a there's a percentage of our fans that it pisses off you know (laughs) Um, and i don't uh care um (laughs) good (laughs) that's that's the best way to look at it yeah yeah so um i mean for us we're writing a show about coming of age and, and you, you know, if, if we had done four seasons since each of our seasons is more or less in real time, um, you know, season four, we'd be in year two mm-hmm. as opposed to year 10. Mm-hmm. And you'd hardly see any change in these characters right. because how much do people change in a year or two? Well, sometimes a lot, but sometimes not that much. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in a decade or more people change a ton yes um and that was one of the things we wanted to show that was one of the things our our series was about is um seeing someone like dick someone like uh artemis 
um, McGann or, or Connor, uh, Calder, you know, how are they changing between when we first met them and now? It was yes. definitely uh, something crazy because I mean, just watching it when that season two premiered, and you're like, like five years, you're like, well, there was a time, there was a time skip, and like it like blows your mind because like not expecting that uh, from you know like again like what we had with um, just going back to like the last two, like we didn't we didn't have any time skips with uh, Teen Titans or not anything that was like memorable, maybe like a couple episodes or something. Same thing with. Uh, uh, Justice League Unlimited, like there's there's not anything that's like, oh, hey, by the way, it's been five years, you know, so it was it was kind of jarring, you know, when we, you know, sit down to watch season two, but going and it was meant to be great job. (laughs) Let's face it. You don't get that with comics, period. Superhero comics, at least time. Never. I mean, you know, when I grew up, Superman and Batman were eternally 29. Yes. And. Dick Grayson, who, you know, started as being more or less a nine or 10 year old in the 1940s, had very slowly evolved to being in his early 20s. Um, And then, you know, they did the new 52 and somehow or other in a five year period, Batman (laughs) had gone through four Robins, you know, and and a Batgirl or two. And and you're just sort of like, unbelievable. What? We it's like weird. to call it five years. What is he just rotating them out? Really? Uh, yeah, there was a so, shot in one of the first Batman's after the new 52 yes. where he's standing there with all of the Robins and they're getting ready for a black tie event. And they all look like they're about 20, except for Damien. All right. And we, you're like, does he, is he a camp counselor? Yeah, camp counselor Batman is what we call it. It's, it's weird too, because Jason Todd now looks like he's older than Dick Grayson. And like, it's still like blowing. I'm like how he's, yeah, it's, it's weird. Um, so yeah, like time skips in the comics, we just don't do them, but when you guys did it and the fact that it worked as well, like it's ballsy to like throw it out there. And then if it doesn't work, then it's like, but it worked for season two and it just, and then you kept doing it and it still works. Like you have, uh, all these different little things and you have people that come in, you know, at the end of one season, something will happen. And then the next season, we don't really see what's going on behind the scenes, but then we get um, what happened afterwards, which I absolutely love because there's that little bit of like ambiguity that we don't know that kind of like helps fuel the series Mm -hmm. throughout. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, any, I mean, this was very true of season two, every season really, but any information you need to know will eventually, we may keep it as a mystery for a handful of episodes, but We'll eventually give you anything you need to know, but we're not going to give you everything you might want to know. <laughs> um, you know, uh, those are things to be discovered over time. And sometimes it takes us seasons and years to get to that stuff. You know, we did some reveals in season four about the Marvel family um, that, you know, in essence, things that took place during that first time skip between season one and season two. And we didn't reveal it till season four because you didn't need it until then. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of our guiding light, not what the audience might want, because they probably want a lot of things, some of which might contradict each other. But it's what what do they need, you know, to to, to get the show, to understand the show. Um, it's a big show. I mean, it it is uh, got ridiculously huge cast. I think over 700 characters have been depicted or at least talked about. Um, 
and uh, and you know our focus is still on um, five of the original six, but you know different seasons, different characters come into focus more. Um, uh, Blue Beetle was a really important character for us in season two because of the storyline, and he's not always been as important since then. Um, but we still care about him and, you know, we want to get back to him when the opportunity arises, but, you know, in season three, um, Geoforce, Halo and Forger were really important characters and they were less important in season four. Mm -hmm. Um, er everything always sort of shifts a bit, but we're, we're, we got a lot of ground to cover always, but, you know, there's always going to be, um, you know, some fan favorite character that some fan is going, you're not giving enough attention to Tim Drake. Right. And they're right. <laughs> that's, that's I mean, me. You right. got my letters. It's like you, you, yeah, you, you know? <laughs> no one ever gives any love for my boy, Tim Drake. They never do. Well, we love Tim too. And I love Cameron Bone who plays Tim. Um, and, but you know, the, it's not the way our story has gone. Now we could go off and do a whole Tim Drake miniseries, I guess, if, if uh, Warner brothers wanted to order it, I'd be game to do it. But at the moment, you know, when Amy it just Warner, comes call to, me all. Yeah. So, uh, and that's just an example. Um, and so, you know, we tell the story that Brandon and I most want to tell and feel most needs to be told. And, and um, that's where we go. And that includes the characters it's meant to include. And then people say, well, then why do you keep introducing new characters? And I'm like, well, why wouldn't we? <laughs> the point is it? The whole point is that generationally right. the world keeps going, you know, right. um, if the, if you want to treat this as a real world, then as our kids get into their twenties as they have, well, but then there are new young heroes who are in their teens and we want to meet at some of them. We're not necessarily going to meet all of them, but we want to meet some of them. And that's on top of the fact that, you know, I'm constantly being asked on Twitter or on ask Greg, my website, you know, um, when are you going to add Raven? When are you going to add Starfire? When are, you know, uh, everyone's got their hit list of people that they want to see. And they're like, I don't know why you bothered added this character. And it's like, well, we wanted to. Well, when are you going to add Raven? You know, in, in other words, it just becomes everyone's personal preference. Now I just feel like I am getting really defensive about fan <laughs> attacks because I... Because I uh, have been getting so many of them. But uh, sure. I don't mean to be. I, I, I just think that you know, uh, the show isn't supposed to be all things to all people. It's right. supposed to, it is a big show, but it, it is what it is. And, and fundamentally what it is, is the show that Brandon and I want to make. And I have, you know, anytime someone else says, well, we, we want to make a different show. I'm like, go for it, you know? Um, but this is the show that Brandon and I want to make, and we're pretty happy with it. All right. It's the fine line that a creator has to walk where you have your vision and then you're butting up against the fan service that sometimes I think other people desperately want to give fans, you know, they want to give fans exactly what they want and something safe and something safe. I think oftentimes feels like it could win out where I think the, you know, things that last a long time that we all remember were the things that had more of a vision that even in retrospect, even if we weren't exactly perfectly happy with what we got, we could be like, yeah, I really appreciated that because that took me on a journey that something that would have given me all the candy all at once wouldn't have. I agree. I, mean, I think, like, oh, sorry, I think the, 
the guiding light for us is that um, Brandon and I have to make a show that we are passionate about. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is pragmatic. Um, If we're not passionate about it, then there'll be no passion in the final product. And if, and if we're not passionate about it, how can we expect any viewer to be, to get passionate about it? If we're just churning it out because we think, well, I think this is what they want. Uh, Now I think this is what they want. Um, Okay. And now this is what they might want. Then, you know, if we don't give a damn, then how can we expect anybody out there to give a damn? And so by necessity, it has to be the show that we passionately want to make. I mean, A, because it's a lot of goddamn work. Um, And so if we're not passionate about it, what carries you through months and months and months uh, of putting, you know, one block on top of another block on top of another block until you've got, until you built something, right? And then again, if we're not passionate about it, what passion will you see in the product and why would you care? Um, So, it's got to ultimately be the show that um, Brandon and I love. And maybe we love it too much. I don't know. But we are ridiculously big fans of Young Justice, the two yes. of us. Um, and it's your baby. It's one yeah, of your it's our baby. And, and, and um, again, uh, what, what else could we do except that and, and expect anybody to like it? Comfort, Adam, um, before we wrap up, you guys have yeah. any more questions? Oh boy. I mean, we could I mean, have yeah, a we, million we Yeah, we could be here for right. a while. <laughs> um, something that I was really interested uh, to ask about, because we're always very interested in process right. between the two of us and the creative process, especially, but um, being disconnected from the art side and the amount of time that it takes in the production pipeline for animation is it can be significant. Um, have there been episodes or moments that you felt a certain way about when you were writing them, but then surprised you when you actually saw them animated, like the final product? Uh, yeah, I mean, there are surprises at every stage of production. Um, you know, uh, I can't draw at all. I mean, at all. I can't draw stick figures well. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon is really annoying because he can draw and he can write. Um, it's infuriating. Um uh, but between the two of us, we're fairly uh, megalomaniacal about the show, um, trying to keep um, abreast of every aspect of it. But no matter what you do, and you want to stay open to this, is you know, is there are all these sort of pleasant surprises that hit you along the way? Admittedly, there are also negative surprises <laughs> that we fix. Uh, but, uh, but there, you know, you go to a voice recording and you thought you knew what a scene was about. And then the actors bring something out of it that you weren't anticipating that is fantastic. And then we build on that, you know, in other words, either in that episode or in the next episode, or maybe in an episode a season away, but something hit us that we didn't see before and we'll build on it. And that could happen in the the voice recorder. It could happen in the storyboarding. It could happen in the character design. It could happen in the animation. Uh, It can happen in the sound design. Um, and, uh, and in the music, I mean, there are all sorts of things that, I mean, one of the things that we're constantly doing on this show, it's also true for me on Gargoyles, um, cause as I'm writing a Gargoyles comic right now, um, is that I'm constantly, uh, revisiting what we've already done and looking for hooks 
you know, looking for something like, oh, we mentioned this guy and we never got, we never said who that was. Just, you know, it was a throwaway maybe, you know, throwaway line Mm -hmm. of dialogue or something like that. And, uh, but what if that guy showed up? If he showed up now, it'd look like we've been planning this since the first season. We'll look like geniuses. (laughs) Um, You know, it, it, we're constantly reviewing what's been done because the best stories come out of these characters and the best stories come out of organically what already has been produced. And so we appreciate those surprises. We look for them and then we look to build on them uh, again, almost as if we had planned it from day one. So we seem smarter than we are and I'm all for seeming smarter than I am. Awesome. Um, Greg, Comfort, Adam, thank you all so much for for coming on. It was fun. We could go on for hours. We could. But but people wouldn't listen to that. So, um, Greg, Keep it short and sweet. Exactly, yeah. Uh, Greg, where can people uh, keep in touch with you social media-wise and find some of your work? Uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, at Greg underscore Weissman. Weissman is W-E-I-S-M-A-N. I am trying really hard to limit the amount of time I spend on Twitter these days. So I'm not there regularly um, because I don't think it's good for my mental health. Um, <laughs> I mean, you're correct. That's, <laughs> yeah. But I do go on periodically. I also have a website, uh, askgregweisman.com, um, all one word, askgregweisman.com, um, where I've been answering questions starting with gargoyles and all the way through Spider-Man and Star Wars and Young Justice and everything in between uh, for over 20 plus years now. And it's an archive site, so you can search it. I'm currently, wow. again, at, because of social media burnout, not answering questions there. You can still leave a question there. And in theory, I'll get to it eventually, although it might take me a year. Um, but uh but the real reason to go there is because, again, there's an archive of 20 years of material and it's a searchable archive. So the odds are I probably already answered that question <laughs> and just search the archive and you'll find the answer, I guess. I mean, I would say that easily, uh, you know, nine out of 10 questions I get asked are things that I've been asked already. Uh, like when is I, Raven going to show up? <laughs> to which I, the response yeah. is... Uh, no spoilers. So, uh, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I'm kind of famous for hashtag no spoilers. But, uh, um, and then in terms of my work right now, uh, as I said, Young Justice Targets, um, six issue mini series picks up right where Young Justice Phantoms left off. First five issues are out. Uh, issue six is out on uh, DC Universe Infinite and will be hitting stores next month. And also next month on December 7th. Gargoyles number one from Dynamite Comics is coming out. It it uh, this is mind-boggling to me. Uh, hundred over a hundred thousand pre-orders on Gargoyle. That is number galaxy one. brain. Uh, I've been working in comics since 1983, and I've never had anything <laughs> like that. That's a uh, that's an amazing amount for people who do work in comics. That's crazy. Yeah, that's like uh, and granted uh, there. Are, something like a dozen variant covers. And I know that's what's driving most of it, but still I'm very uh, impressed and terrified by that number. Um, and uh, I'm very excited though, but to be working on Gargoyles again and to 
for, for people to see the book. Uh, George Cambadeus is doing the art and it's pretty gorgeous. And, uh, and so I hope people on December 7th, check it out. It's a day that will live in. Amy. <laughs> um, Fandom of me. Yeah. Uh-huh, like that. Um, unfortunately, I don't know a lot about collecting comics or anything like that. So, I mean, I don't, <sighs> it's not, oh. I don't know, not really my thing, ah. but maybe one day I'll get into it. You may it want to and... change maybe. your wall. <laughs> oh, the wall uh, yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> it's not there. It's not there. Um, Comfort Adam, what about you guys? Uh, well, we are at Comfort and Adam anywhere on the land of the social media. Sure. Are. Uh, you can find us directly at comfortandadam.com, but we're pretty regular on Instagram and, and all Twitter, the social medias. We try and do it every day because we're very clockwork. Which also, uh, if you want, you can read uh, The Uniques and Rainbow in the Dark up on uh, Webtoon. And uh, you can just go to Amazon for our big how-to book, The Complete Guide to Self-Publishing Comics. The only thing we did not self-publish is the book about self-publishing. Hey, you know what? <laughs> when Random House is like, we want a book like this, you say, hey, if you sure. Want, if you want to pay us money to tell people why they don't need you, we're happy to provide that service. How many how many chapters are you guys up with the uniques? I mean, I read them every week. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, I don't know number-wise. Like, the actual uploads is like, 212 or something like that it, it amounts to we just wrapped what would be the end of uh volume six in in graphic novel terms right trade paperback terms two four terms that we apparently. old people understand yeah again i don't know anything about comics <laughs> no so. no <laughs> Over my head. Um, mm -hmm. And we'll put uh, links to all of Greg's stuff and all of Comfort and Adam's stuff. We'll put those in the show notes so you can click on those and it'll take you straight there. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh L. Kane. You can find the podcast on Instagram at What's Up Fandom and on Twitter at What's Up Fandom PC for podcast. You can check out our anime content at The Anime Book Club. Um, also, on you know just search it on instagram and twitter you'll find the anime book club there um all of our episodes available itunes stitcher popping google play spotify audible anywhere that you can download an episode we're there we've got our video content on youtube and on our website animationstationpodcast.com thank all three of you for uh coming on today that's yes, a weird, way, that's a weird way to say that but i said it anyway it works <laughs> all right thanks for having us no mm -hmm. problem uh, so you. for what's up fandom i'm josh Oh, and I'm Comfort. And I'm Adam. There you go. And I'm Greg. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>